This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law. Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Forget my bad cold, there's no such thing as a good cold. Yeah. Alongside me today is Lionel Makokutlela. Do you mean like every into our podcasters and everybody who's listening to us? <laughs> <laughs> Today's show is about the legal environment and how it is developing lines. Oh yeah, we yeah. need to know that, yeah, that it's one changing. Of, well, this one of our colleagues, uh, attorney Alison Lee of Johannesburg, recently attended a uh, a forum in Canada. It's called the International Corporate Council Forum. Mm. And she's with us today to share her views on how she sees the evolution of the legal business. A warm welcome to you, Alison. Thank you very much. So tell us firstly about the forum that you attended in Canada. Who mainly attends those or that forum? All right. So I'm a founding member of the in-house council worldwide, which is an international association um, to which um, all sorts of international bodies belong who represent the in-house community. Um, in-house is a legal advisor who is employed by a company internally to provide them with legal advice, um, which is different to a practicing attorney who works in a law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, these associations um, get together once a year. Um, we usually go to one of the countries where one of our member associations operates and we have a conference which is uh, made available to all in-house counsel around the world. Um, so for the past five years, we've had conferences in Singapore, France, and the recent one is the one that was held in Toronto. Mm-hmm. These conferences are held over a two-day period and obviously there's a variety of topics which are um, offered, not um, to all the audience. So usually the audience has um, the option to attend different sessions, different topics, different breakaway sessions. And in the main, which was quite a surprise this year, the majority of the topics that were covered and offered were all around the new topic which is Legal innovation and artificial intelligence. Oh, wow. And can you also just tell us a little bit about some of the topics that you guys were actually talking about? Just so that at least our listeners get to understand. All right. So artificial intelligence or legal innovation is a fairly new um, area. And what's happened is a number of legal services that were traditionally made available um, to a person who requires the legal services would be done by a lawyer or an in-house legal advisor, and that would usually be offered on a one-on-one basis. Obviously, with um, email and internet, a number of these services are now done via the emails and um, telephonically, and often you can even go online and purchase certain legal services. With regards to the new technology that's available the machine mm. is actually taking the place of 
the lawyer. I wanted to ask you that because it looks, it sounds a bit scary that uh, now technology is going to be taking over. So are we going to see more reluctant, uh, more people actually not being employed in the legal field as opposed to actually hiring a robot, which is actually going to give you all the, <laughs> the advices? You know, quite the contrary. Yeah. Um, obviously, you need people to build the robots. You need people to program the robots. And the robots need content. Mm. So there are people that are being employed in these um, sectors that are creating these robots, so to speak, that are developing the software and the technology. But at the end of the day, the lawyer is still going to be an essential component in this type of service in that they will be feeding the robot with the necessary legal intelligence. Let's talk about something that is foremost on everyone's mind. It's legal fees. People that deal with lawyers, should I say, um, was this a discussion point at the forum? And what are the alternatives to, to what we understand as hourly billing? Okay, Gary. So um, alternative billing um, or alternative legal practice um, approaches is a fairly new topic on the South Af- or in the South African landscape. Um, South African law firms traditionally are still using the hourly billing rate. Mm-hmm. So you will typically go to an attorney and you will then be presented with a bill which relates to the number of hours that are, are employed um, in respect of providing you with the, the end result. How does the, the in-house legal counsel view that? Now, the legal services um, environment um, has been an answer to the current predicament that legal counsel are faced with in that going to a law firm, they are faced with an enormous bill once the contract's been drafted. And often the work is then not repeated or reused, whereas your alternative legal service providers are providing you with a similar, I won't say that the quality is good, is as good, but they are providing you with a similar drafting type service where they are drafting agreements at a fraction of the price. But typically one must remember that these types of agreements are not your, um, very high end agreements where they are agreements relating to merger and acquisition activity. These types of agreements are more simple in the sense that they might be repeat agreements such as a lease agreement, a non-disclosure agreement, um, a license agreement, which become a bit of a run of the mill type of agreement for the instructing um, company. Do you think that... Um Attorneys firms are going to start feeling a pinch with the demand to keep legal costs down and do more work in-house by in-house legal counsel. Is that a possibility? Because uh, lines, we've often discussed it. If you drive through Santon, the biggest and smartest and most beautiful buildings are housing the, the big law firms. So there must be, there's something, uh, you know, we don't know who's paying for all this. <laughs> well, yes. Um, I sometimes wonder exactly the same thing. You know, where is all the money coming from? My experience um, representing the in-house um, association in South Africa, CASA, is that um, in-house departments are growing. They are employing more in-house attorneys and a lot of the work that used to go to these larger law firms are now being done in-house. Mm-hmm. In addition, um, as we spoke about um, artificial intelligence, a lot of these in-house departments are, are now looking at purchasing these systems or software that actually draft and um, project manage a lot of your agreements that in the past used to go to law firms. Mm. 
In response to this, I must tell you that um, most, if not all, large law firms in Johannesburg and around the world are looking at artificial intelligence. And what they are all currently looking at doing is developing um, these typical types of products that they can then offer to their client base so that they're not losing out to a new system. They're rather giving the, their client a system that the client would have bought elsewhere at an optimum fee. Mm. Let's talk a bit about globalization of attorneys because a lot of the law firms in Johannesburg and Santon are now, and I can name a few, uh, Hogan Lovells. These are international firms, Baker McKenzie and so on and so forth. What's what's going on there? Is this is this benefiting all these legal firms? Obviously it is, uh, Norton Roses and that. And yeah, how does it work? Gary, I'm of the view that I think it's going to be beneficial to not only the law firms in the sense that they are skilling their firms up with top talent that have got international exposure and um, obviously know the international laws. But I think it's going to be tremendously beneficial to the clients, um, that is your corporates as well as your individual clients. Because instead of having to now brief a law firm in France, if it involves a deal which entails French law or an Australian law firm in Australia, mm. one can simply make contact with um, not just the international law firms that have set up shop here, with, but with any um, larger law firm in South Africa who has skilled themselves up with the necessary expertise, who know what the laws are um, across the, the world, and in particular in Africa. So we've seen a large, large move to um, merge and acquire and twin or partner with a lot of law firms, um, big or small, in, in the African um, continent. And as a result of that, instead of having to brief someone in Nigeria or in Kenya with regards to a deal, you can simply get hold of your local service provider who is able to provide you with that necessary service. Some of the internationals, you were in Canada, so I'm sure you talked, you spoke about this. A lot of the international firms are also using South African law firms to assist with drafting of contracts and that. They may get it cheaper from us or... Yes, there's been that trend. So that is known as alternative legal service providers. Um, they typically set up shop in an area where skills are cheaper, the hourly rates cheaper, where the establishment costs and the cost to run the operation are cheaper. Obviously, South Africa has a um, good exchange rate um, where you are bringing people into South Africa versus us using an external company. So um, this has given rise to probably about five or six alternative legal serv service providers um, establishing themselves in South Africa. And as a result, um, people around the world are making use of these service providers where, again, as I mentioned, the hourly billable rate is a lot less than the big law firms in Santa not charging. I believe that today... Did I cut your lines? Did you mm -hmm. want to? Um, law firm clients are demanding more for less. Yes. Uh, with the expectation of better results, superior results. Mm -hmm. We didn't, we touched on it, but I didn't quite get the answer. We've been charging, um, hourly rates, attorneys. Yes. Yes. Internationally, there's a move away from that, isn't there? There's, there's maybe an agreement to charge a set fee or what, what, what was discussed in Canada amongst the, the lawyers? Gary, um, there are a number of different models that have been used. Um, in fact, I've just written, uh, written an article um, on these alternative structures. 
Um, typically, you might look at instead of paying an hourly rate, you look at a retainer where you can cap the type of work or the hours that are used. Um, you can go on a contingency basis where you pay a set fee and depending on the outcome of the matter, this is um, particular where you've got a litigation matter. Um, if they win the case, then um, there's a, a certain percentage that's paid across. Um, alternatively, you can look at if you've given a law firm a matter to do, they complete it um, in a lesser time than was predicted or um, agreed upon, then they get an additional bonus. So as I say, there are a multitude of these different um, structures that are currently being debated and have in fact been in place around the world. But South Africa is very, very slow to take up on these and I think it's ju just to do with the fact that the overheads by our large law firms in South Africa are unable to accommodate these types of arrangements, mm. to be perfectly honest. Mm. Alison, you are an attorney. You also have a, another business that's allied to law. What is that? Yes. Um, so I run a legal practice called Lee Attorneys, and I have a compliance business which is run under a, um, a separate name, which is called Lee's Compliance. And predominantly, I focus on regulatory and compliance matters where I assist corporates and individuals in getting to grips with a plethora of laws that apply to their operations. Yeah. This is a, a really gruesome task in the sense that our laws are very long. They are not written in a manner that an ordinary person can understand them. And what I tend to do is I, I read through them and unpack them and analyze them as against my client's operation. And I then put it into a manual or a summary format, which the client's employees can understand. So I rewrite it in a layman um Okay, well, that's your, that's your advert for this week. <laughs> Last question, Alison. What is the prognosis for lawyers in this country? Are there, is there, is there dearth, a shortage, or is there glut? Uh, I know that doctors, you can't get a doctor for the, for the love of money. A specialist sometimes takes you three months to get an ENT. Oh, yeah. Uh, but a lawyer you can get on the turn usually. What's, what's going on? Look, I think it's a very um, exciting space for lawyers, especially with the globalization of the law firm and the opportunities that we um, have now to go and work abroad or alternatively handle matters that are not just South Africa. Sorry, when you say orientated. work abroad, what do you mean by that? A number of our youngsters, so um, attorneys that have recently qualified, have done their articles. Um, because of the globalization and the entrance of these international firms in South Africa, um, are now being employed by these firms and they are then being offered either internships um, in different countries or being actually transferred and employed in the likes of the UK, the French offices. But do the they American have to re offices. they have to restudy certain things or they have to pass by uh, Curiously not, Gary. So um Which I've, countries accept South Africa? No not any countries accept our 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 system in the sense that it's Roman it's based on Roman Dutch law. Mm. So one, one, one would have to do a conversion course depending on the jurisdiction where you're going into. So typically mm. the UK would require one to, to undergo a conversion course and write an exam. Um, I think they've got a similar system in the States. But a lot of these attorneys are being seconded across or employed directly by the overseas firms and they are being employed, um, on a, a, 
professional assistant basis mm-hmm. where they're not actually acting as a solicitor, um, but instead they are given a period of time within which to complete their conversion course. And once that's done, obviously they're then taken on as a practicing um, employee. Do well, we see many of them coming back or do they just That's stay? a good question, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's a bit early to tell. Um, I think this is a trend that's only been happening in the last two, three years. And typically when you go overseas, you want to spend a good number of years there getting the experience. So um, I think the answer in short is no, they aren't coming back. Um, I think they're fabulous opportunities, you know, working abroad. So if I was in their shoes, shoes I wouldn't come back either. <laughs> okay. South Africans have actually been regarded as uh, the most hardworking people uh, globally. And uh, we've seen quite a number of many countries, the likes of UK, taking most of our doctors and so forth. But um, in, in terms of law, are we seeing the same where the lawyers are actually being regarded as the best, just like our doctors? Yes, I think um, only in the last couple of years that started to happen. It seems to be a trend. And I think it's, again, because of our strong um, work ethic and our dedication to actually making sure that the job gets done properly. If you had to give advice to a, a young student, a matriculant, yes. would you tell him to go into law? Can, he get, can he get articles? Can he get a job? Um, articles is a challenge, unfortunately, mm. but there are a lot of areas that you can go into without having done articles mm. or going into an area with a view to eventually going into articles. Um, my son's doing an LLB at the moment, and I said, you know, with a law degree, there is a lot to do. You don't necessarily have to go into law. There are lots of other fields. You can go into a corporate environment and work, as I say, as a legal advisor. You can move out of that field into a managerial position. So law just gives you a very good basis, mm. a, a sound um, grounding. Um, it teaches you how to be analytical. It teaches you how to be thorough. It teaches you how to write. And yeah, I, I'm so grateful that yes. I'm a lawyer. I really am. Yes. I see things very much clearer than many others without bragging because yes. I've been trained legally. Yes. So it's been, it's a wonderful sound. It's a, it's, it's a, a wonderful stepping stone. Yeah, stepping stone. Absolutely. Uh, to go into business, to go into anything really. Mm. It's marvelous. No, yeah. and just to get back with, um, you know, a legal degree, you don't need a lot to start your own business. So, um, again, it's not just working for the, the top law firms. Um, I was a legal advisor for BAT and, um, SAB Miller um, for many years. And did when you I, smoke and drink? Or? I did. Oh. I did a lot. <laughs> In those days, it was still politically correct. You remember? Um, in to. fact, we got free beer and free cigarettes. <laughs> um, but getting back to the point, um, I, when I left SAB Miller, um, I said I can virtually move from one office to another office, even if it was in my in my study. I didn't need capital to set my business up because. All I needed was my brain and my mm. experience. And I think that says a lot for a, a legal qualification. Do in-house, last one, in-house legal counsel earn less than lawyers in private practice? Um, it depends where you work. It's a oh. touchy subject. But oh. um, if you work in a bank or a mining house and you are um, general counsel, I think the, the salaries that are paid to those individuals are very comparative to oh. a law firm. Oh. And I think the, the, the law firm structure is definitely changing. It's um, become a corporation, a exactly. law firm. Today. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that um, you go in and you earn a fortune or you have to wait 40 years before you start um, – Scraping the cream off the top. Mm. I think the structures have changed and unfortunately I don't have that 
um, necessary experience to comment. Alison Lee, I've really enjoyed this, talking about the legal profession. It's been great. Many thanks for making your way to Cliff Central. Thank you very much. Thank you so uh, much. We'll see you again. Cheers. This is cliffcentral.com.